0: If not, no worries, we still love you, and we literally have hundreds of episodes of Blamo, all free, for you to dive into. Thanks so much. Hey
1: everyone, welcome to the second episode of the Die Workwear Podcast with me, Derek Guy, and my co-host, Peter Zotolo. In this episode, Peter and I talk about our shared love for camel hair coats. Also, my latest article from Mr. Porter, which is about how to dress if you're a larger guy, And lastly, we're introducing a new segment, which for now is called, Hey, Nice Pants. It's where Peter and I will be sharing three things that we're into at the moment. Let's dive in.
2: Hey, Derek. How's it going? Pretty good, Peter. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm getting ready for the fall season. I'm kind of getting in the mood. These are my favorite days when it's sunny, but crisp. Yeah. (laughs) Because you can actually wear nice clothes <laughs> right but we're, we're
1: right on the edge here because it's like high 60s yeah so it's still a little bit sweaty in a coat
2: well you're the guy that came here in a camel hair <laughs> a 22 ounce camel hair yeah. polo coat, yeah which looks really cool by the way thank you so this is a new commission
1: yeah, yeah. i just got it from steed it was like a couple of years in the making
2: and uh um, that's not normal
1: that's not normal uh it was because of covid My indecision—that sounds like a
2: lame excuse. COVID.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, but finally got it. But it is—it wears warm. I've never worn pure camel hair before. Um, I would
2: basically liken it to like pure cashmere in terms of warmth. I'm glad you're talking about this because I ordered the same cloth from Harrison's. Oh, really? And you got the slightly darker one, didn't you? Yeah. I think I ordered the slightly lighter one. And I think I like yours better. (laughs) Okay, well. (laughs) But it still looks great. I mean, both are great. I saw the lighter one and it looked good. I mean, both look good. Yeah. But I do like how this one, here's what I noticed about really light camel hair coats. If you wear it with something that is mid-gray or mid-blue jeans, it pops out too much. But the darker camel hair color is like the perfect like mid-gray it's the perfect middle intensity of luminance that you can wear it with so many other things and i could just kick myself for ordering the lighter have you already bought the cloth i did oh, okay but i can ask and see if they've sent it if they haven't sent it which i'm not sure if they have then i could change they'll love that you're changing your mind <laughs> you've already cut the cloth now it's yours I mean that lighter hue is
1: is the classic polo coat shade,
2: which is I why mean, I chose it. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's like that's like it. I just figured a slightly darker one. I just thought it, it would be easier to wear for the reasons that you said. It's just, it's just like mid gray. Mid gray goes with everything.
2: Yeah. Um, so tell me about this particular commission with Steed. This is Steed's bespoke line because they do MTM as well. Right.
1: Yeah, so Steed now has a made-to-measure program, a fully bespoke program, and then they have also, and I can't remember the name of it, but it's somewhere. It's like called semi-bespoke or something, where it's basically their full bespoke process, but they start with a block pattern and they adjust the block pattern based on your measurements. But the uh, tailoring, which is you know when the cutter cuts all the panels and they give it to a tailor, that's the actual proper name of a tailor. It's the person who makes the coat, the person that sews all the parts together. Um, that's all done by the same people. And that is a little bit cheaper than their full bespoke program. So it's, it's kind of giving you the full breadth of if you're in between, you know, because a lot of people have looked at their full bespoke and their made to measure and they don't know where they should go. Right. Um, I sort of feel that if you really want that like authentic drape cut, you should go full bespoke. But um, I would bet that their new semi bespoke has more of that drape element than their made to measure made-to-measure is very nice, but um, I mean, you know, because Edwin drafts the pattern for the full bespoke and the semi-bespoke, you're going to have a little
2: bit more of his fingerprint on on the garment. Right. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Would it be possible not to take business away from the bespoke line, but would it be possible to get their bespoke, let's say, once or twice, nail your fit down, three, four, 11 times? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Sorry, that was a terrible in <laughs> joke reference to those who are not familiar with Style Forum. There were some people, one person in particular, that said you needed 11 fittings and no, 11 suits. You need 11 me.
1: commissions to comment on a tailor, <laughs> which was, yeah, caused a huge... Uh, yeah, I mean, one of my favorite figures in the menswear world because he was so good at generating discourse. You know, <laughs> he was. That's-
2: Mar- uh, Matt, if you're listening... We love you. That You were a, a source of great inspiration and discussion. But yeah. we're getting off topic. Let's say you get your fit down, one or two bespoke commissions, or 11, and then you can move to semi-bespoke saying, look, you already have my pattern. You don't have to redraft a pattern for me anymore. Can we just use the same people that have been cutting my suit before? And make it semi bespoke.
1: These are questions that are probably best answered through Steed. I haven't used their new semi bespoke process because it was just debuted, maybe in the last year or two. My guess is that once you've already gone full bespoke, you already have your pattern drafted.
2: Right. So you just have to never lose or gain weight.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> even if you do, I mean, they'll adjust. They'll adjust the pattern. You know, yeah. like it's it's uh that's the one upside to Steed is that um, they will do lifetime adjustments so long as they visit your city. They've recently dropped San Francisco and Los Angeles, but so long as they visit your city, um, I guess you could even send the garment back to them. I've I've sent garments back to them three, four years after they were made for adjustments, nice. and the adjustments are free. So um, you just have to pay
2: shipping. Yeah, you just have it. to pay shipping.
1: But if they are still coming to your city, then they just come pick things up.
2: Nice.
1: Um, yeah, these are questions that are probably best answered through Steed. But my guess is that if you already have your pattern drafted through full bespoke, that is now your tier. That's what you're paying. Nice. Um, there'd be no reason to go back to or go down to semi bespoke because then you'd be drafting a new pattern. Right. So, well, let's um, get back.
2: Let's get back to the polo coat. Going back to that discussion, that's what you recently commissioned. How are you wearing it?
1: Well, uh, I've been wearing it casually. I I made it so that you can layer it over a sport coat. So all the fittings were done with a sport coat. But with, um, and this is sometimes my impression, slight difference between bespoke uh, dress coats and ready to wear dress coats is that a bespoke dress coat is made exactly like how a suit jacket or sport coat would be constructed. So it has the the hair cloth, which is um, the kind of wiry, thicker material that goes into the chest to shape the chest. It has the full canvas. It has, um, depending on your, um, your tailor's house style, it will have the shoulder pads. So one upside to that full process versus ready to wear, which is just followed kind of ready to wear trends is that, um, many companies have deconstructed all of their garments. So you get at most, um, The chest piece, which is the hair cloth that goes in the chest, and then a full canvas from shoulder to hem. But often you don't get the shoulder pads and you don't get anything else. So, um, and that just kind of goes towards the softer tailoring that we've seen, which works on some guys and doesn't work on other guys.
2: Mm. But do you choose shoulder padding for this one?
1: It's made exactly like all my other Steed garments. Oh, wow. So the upside to that is that when you wear it by by itself with um, a sweater, it's basically confers all of the same things that you get through tailoring nice but it's just in an overcoat Uh, the downside is that when you layer it over another sport coat you're basically (laughs) wearing two (laughs) sport coats so it's kind of big Um, but one thing that I like about making it so that you can layer it over a sport coat is that it has that kind of like um, like that kind of like that kind of swagger that Everyone admires in, like, photos of, like, 1960s, 70s, 80s. Because all those guys cut their coats to be worn over a tailored jacket.
2: Right.
1: Right? Whereas now, a lot of ready-to-wear is designed to be worn over just a sweater. So, it fits a lot trimmer. Yes. Um, I just don't think... I I like that kind of, like, oversized kind of look. I think it looks a lot cooler. Um, So... On a practical basis, if you cut it cut it so that it can be layered over a sport coat, then if you live in a place like New York or, you know, like Boston, where it gets really cold in the winter, then just on a practical basis, it's going to keep you warm. But if you live in a more temperate climate like San Francisco, um, I just think it looks cooler over a sweater, even when it's bigger, because it has that kind of like... It gives you the shape that a sport coat would. It gives you the shape that a sport coat would, and it just has that kind of... Um, just that kind of volume that looks cool in those old photos. Um, so I think if you're buying graded wear, consider that when you're shopping. Like, don't don't be afraid of even trying one size up. Or depending on how the coat is cut, right? Like if the coat is cut so that it's already voluminous, you might not want to try a size up. But I just I wouldn't be afraid of a voluminous coat. Essentially, right? I think it looks good that way.
2: I agree. Yeah. I went up. On a size, excuse me, I went up a size on several coats that were meant to be worn over a sport coat, and I wear them with a sport coat or just with a sweater, and it's more comfortable, you don't have to worry about it being too tight depending on what sweater you use. Sometimes you have to worry about, oh, am I wearing a thick sweater or a thin sweater, right? which you should worry about if you're wearing it over a simple sport coat. But an overcoat, you shouldn't have to worry about that. Yeah. Now, how would you style a polo coat? Uh,
1: I think it goes, I mean, it's such a cliche, but I really think it goes with anything. It goes with, um, again, you know, you could wear it with a tweed and whip cords. You can wear it with um, a sweater and jeans. Um, My only thing is that when you're wearing a big overcoat, visually, I think it looks better when there's some visual heft underneath the coat. So if you're wearing it just with a dress shirt, Sometimes I think it looks better with like a chunky sweater underneath Mm. so that you kind of balance out the visual weight of the coat.
2: Um, That makes sense.
1: Yeah. That's the, that's my only advice is sometimes if if you, if you're buying a coat and you try it on at home and you think it doesn't look right, try layering something underneath it, like a chunky sweater. Then that often pulls everything together. Um, And it just kind of makes sense too. like on, on a warm day, On a day that you're going to be wearing just a dress shirt, you're probably not wearing an overcoat. So, just think of like the weather that you're going to be wearing it with, wearing it uh, into and and how you'd style it in those conditions.
2: Now, let's talk about the history of the polo coat. It's great that it could be worn both with casual and with dressy things, sport coat, jeans and sweater like what you're wearing. And that goes all the way back to how it was originally designed, right? It was made to be worn right after polo games.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a sports garment. I mean, essentially, it's it's it was originally meant to be worn over kind of like sporty, you know, sporty sweaters and casual items. So, so right after they were
2: done playing polo, they <laughs> would launch off of their horses in their shorts, I would imagine, and put on this massive polo coat. And from there, like many other things, sports and military related, they would wear it in casual wearing. Where did you come from? Oh, well, can't you tell I just came from paying polo (laughs) as one does.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's such a great garment because to me, I'm just in love with American style. And I just think it's the quintessential, um, even though it's originally a British garment played in a a, a historically uh, South Asian Indian game. um, To me, in my mind, I think of it as being so quintessentially American because I think of it as this slouchy um, casual it's like it's so much more casual than like a Chesterfield yeah and something
2: with a velvet collar yeah
1: like it, to me, Ameri- American style is that kind of like real disheveled um, casual carefree un- like even though all of this is now seen as slightly pretentious like tailored clothing is seen as slightly pretentious American style in all of its iterations is very unpretentious compared to its European counterparts right um, that's something that I recently wrote for Esquire. It's coming out in, um, I think in their December issue um, where I talk about my view of American style as this, it's historically a very kind of casual way to celebrate the everyday man kind of thing. And and even in its tailoring its tailoring. is much more casual than it's British and French kind of counterparts. Um, so yeah, instead of like a Chesterfield, I think a polo coat, just looks so much cooler and more relaxed and natural. Especially, I think, after, like, looking through all these photos and um, and talking with friends about it, I really think that the drop buttoning point is really important to the polo coat because it elongates the lapel line and makes it kind of like a slouchier, uh, more casual garment.
2: Do you wear it closed or do you mostly wear it open? I mostly wear it open. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. In San Francisco. Yeah. I don't think you need to. But if you wanted to, you absolutely could. What about the collar? Do you wear it popped? Do you wear it down? Oh, uh,
1: that's the other thing is that if... So on a polo coat, you either go for an Ulster collar or a peak lapel. I went with peak lapel because it reminds me of Ralph Lauren. And you can sort of pop the collar on a peak lapel, but you can't pop it as well as an Ulster collar. Right. Like if you look at that old photo of uh, Noel Coward and the train station, I think that's the Waterloo train station.
2: That was an Ulster coat.
1: Yeah. It was a polo coat with an Ulster collar and he popped it in the back and it just, the Ulster collar frames the face a lot better because the way, um, for anyone listening, just look up U L S T E R collar, the way that collar is designed, it's massive. It's massive. And the, the, cause when you're talking about the, um, not to be too technical here, but the collar is the part that touches your neck and the lapel is the thing that like drapes over your chest. And the Ulster collar, the part that actually touches your neck, is much bigger than the collar would be compared to a peak lapel.
2: If I'm not mistaken, that was designed to be used in very cold weather. It wasn't designed as an overcoat at all. It was meant to be designed as a cold weather coat.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was meant to be popped and, you know, kind of protect you from the elements. Um, So, yeah, the Ulster collar just looks a lot better popped. Um, So, if you're... You know, if whether you're buying graded wear or, or getting things um, custom made, just think of that as a difference when you're getting a peak lapel or an Ulster collar. I do think a, an Ulster collar looks better than a peak lapel, lapel popped um, because the collar stands up better. Um, but I just went with a peak lapel because it reminds me of Ralph Lauren. So yeah.
2: I will say that the peak lapel that you've chosen, the way that it's designed is low enough so that if you do pop the collar, the... Peaks don't launch off of your shoulders. Right right,
1: right, right, I also kind of have it in my heart that I hope at some point to get something like that Liverano Ulster coat that they make. Oh um, yeah. That thing is just so, so beautiful. Um would you get that in Navy? Yeah, I think I, everyone who's gotten it so far just looks so good yeah. in it. Um so I you know, I I mean, for one, Liverano's prices are way Astronaut. out of my budget, yeah. But um you know, I mean one one hopes one day. But I yeah, I, I figured if I'm gonna one day get that kind of ulster coat, then I might as well go with a peak lapel here.
2: I'm um, with you on the camel hair. So I got and am wearing a camel hair sport coat from Ralph Lauren, I wanna say in the eighties. It's got the union label, and I saw it on eBay. For $100, and I love all the guy. (laughs) I mean, it's worth, at least to me, I easily would have paid $300. Poor guy. eBay guy, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. (laughs) Sucker. (laughs) <laughs> that
1: guy, that guy probably has like a family to
2: feed, <laughs> and you're you lowball them thirty dollars. Hey, I got a mouth to feed. I've got Jones to buy, man. I got a closet to fill. Thank you for being so reasonable, eBay guy. um I easily would have paid three hundred bucks for this. I mean, it's looks made, great. Uh, it's my size, actually. That's a lie. It's slightly bigger, so. I have really round shoulders, so it's best for me to get something slightly bigger and then just take in the waist. Back then, they made in the eighties, they made jackets a little bit bigger. In the seventies, they were impossibly narrow and a little bit longer. In the eighties, they widened a little bit. The shoulder padding got a little bigger. Shoulders got a little more extended. Thankfully, the sleeves also got a little looser as well, and uh, the length. Dropped very slightly. The seventies were very long, very slim, and very narrow. This one made in the eighties. It's got the union label and it buttons as a six to one, meaning there's three buttons on each side and it rolls to the bottom button, but you can button the middle button if you want. And it's after getting it tailored, I just took the waist in a little bit. And like you, it's that quintessential American look where you wear it with beat up jeans like what i'm wearing now these jeans i was actually going to throw away i was really close to throwing them away i love these jeans but look at them they're just full of holes where are they from
0: they're from want to hear the rest listen to the full episode and many more other exclusive episodes over on our patreon visit patreon.com forward slash blammo to sign up and join the blam fam you also get access to our exclusive members-only Slack group, where we chat about this and a ton of other things. So head over to patreon.com forward slash blamo and we'll see you there.